Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited to bring you today's guest, Joe Omoya. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken, thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's great to have you here. And for everyone listening, if you're not familiar with Joe, let me give you a little background. Joe Amoya is a love life transformation specialist. He's author of the popular blog, gpsforlove.com, which teaches women how to navigate the complex world of men, dating, and relationships. And his YouTube channel has been seen by almost 3 million viewers worldwide. Now, he's been an ongoing contributor to the Huffington Post, Huffington Post Live, DigitalRomanceTV.com, and YourTango.com. And he's been featured as a relationship expert on several episodes of the Style Network's number one TV series, Jerseylicious. Now, Joe has a passion for helping others identify, resolve, and overcome the real obstacles which are preventing them from creating the results they're looking for in their love life. After a 17-year career as a successful chiropractor, Joe closed his practice in 2010 and dedicated his life to helping others find love, real love, the kind that lasts. He is happily married to his wife of 15 years, Natalie, and they have three sons. Joe, do me a favor. Let me know if there's anything we missed in that intro, first of all, and then Give us a glimpse into how it is that you went from chiropractor to love life transformation specialist. Sure, I'd be happy to. And I'll give you the cliff note version because we okay. are limited on time here today. Um, basically, as you said, I, I was a practicing chiropractor. That's what I went to school for. And in my chiropractic practice, the truth is I was never truly fulfilled. There was always something missing. And like most people in life, I was chasing numbers. I was shaking, you know what, if we saw this many more people, I'd be happy. You know what, if we were making this much more money, we'd be happy. You know what, if I was driving this kind of car, I'd be happy. And I realized every time I got to one of those achievements, one of those numbers, that I was, I never felt the way I wanted to feel. So I've always been a seeker. I've always been someone who, you know, what is this thing called life? My dad died when he was 45 years old, I was 15. And he, he was a smoker and he died of cancer. And I'm like, well, why did my dad die? And yet I had an aunt who was in her 90s who smoked and she didn't die. Like, you know, I grew up Catholic and, you know, why can't I eat a hot dog on Friday and not go to hell? Like there's just a lot of things in life just never made sense. So I've always questioned things. I've always been a seeker. So at this point in my journey, I wasn't fulfilled in my life. So I went and spent the week with Jack Canfield, the chicken soup for the soul guy. This was when The Secret was really big. And so, you know, Jack was one of the featured um, experts in The Seeker. So I went and spent a week with him at one of his forums, his retreats out, in, a week-long retreat out in Arizona. And I'm sitting in the audience, and Jack tells the story how he was a therapist. And there was a time in his life on his journey where he felt like he should be seeing more people. And 
in the moment he said that, it was kind of like you ever see those movies where you know the heavens open up and the lights come down and the music goes ah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it felt like. He had put into words what I had been struggling with for so long. The reason why I was so unfulfilled because in my chiropractic practice, I was limited to the number of people that I could help. You know, in a chiropractor, like a massage therapist, you can only see so many people from the moment you open your door to the moment you close your door at the end of the day. And so there was a part of me unknowingly that wanted to help the masses, which I couldn't do in a chiropractic practice. And that's the why I, that's why I felt so unfulfilled. So in that moment, it's like he just put into words what I'd been feeling. Now the key was, oh, crap. Now what do I do? Like and there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of resistance. Like I went to school. My identity was being Dr. Joe, the chiropractor. So now do I have to leave that? Do I have to go to India to find my true purpose? And that just started the journey. And long story short, I tried a couple of things until one day in my journaling, it was revealed that you have to help others find love. Now, at that point, I was like and my journaling is kind of what I say. It's a communication between my higher self, God, whatever you want to call it. I'm not big in labeling things, but if you ever heard the book Conversations with God, it was very similar to that. It was a dialogue between me and something bigger. And it said, you know, you needed to help others find love. And my human said, like, what the hell do I know about that? Like, I'm a chiropractor. And it said, look at your life. Look at your journey. You were someone I was engaged to be married to someone. And we were four weeks away from walking down the aisle. I was making a huge mistake. Long story short, we ended that relationship. And it caused me to do a lot of work, a lot of soul searching and said, what do I need to do to find the love that I'm really looking for? The relationship that I'm really looking for. And again, caused me to seek, learn some two things, take some mirror time, take responsibility for the role I played in that relationship and things not working out. And as a result, made some changes, ultimately met the love of my life. And here we are 15 years later. And so the universe kind of said, that's what you need. Women need to hear from a guy who has no problem with commitment who enjoys being married, who has no problem being faithful, who actually enjoys it. And women need to know that there are more guys like you because I'm not the only guy out there. You know, there are a lot of, you know, I hear all the time, it really kind of pisses me off. You know, there's no good men out there. And I'm like, if women only knew how difficult it was for a good guy who's looking for a life partner, they'd, they'd feel a little different. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say like, I'm kind of, you know, the representative, I'm kind of like the fool who's stupid enough to go and create a blog, to leave his career to say, okay, I'll go help others do that. So that that's really kind of how it all transitions. Fantastic. That is great. So Joe, I love what you just said about, you know, if, if women knew how hard it is for a good quality guy to, to, to find somebody, they would have a different opinion. Tell me more about that, because I hear it all the time, too. There aren't any good guys. I've had women in every city in the country tell me that. And it's well, like, well, clearly half the people out there are guys, so the odds of them all being rotten is pretty slim. Right. And look, I always say, look, I'm the first to, look, you've been a member of the male species as well. You know there are a lot of creeps out there. Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're not going to deny that there are guys like that who exist in the world. But there's only a population of guys. There are also a lot of good men who would be good partners, good husbands, good fathers. But the thing is, they're not hanging out at the bar with their boyfriend saying how much dating sucks, how much women suck. They're just like, it, it is what it is. I'm just going to go live my life. But women tend to congregate in what I call the BMC, which is the bitch and moan club, where they all get along. They get together. They have dinner and say, oh, you know what? That guy, he didn't call me when he said he was supposed to call. You know what? I'm dating this guy and he disappeared. Yeah, men suck. And so they all get together and they focus on the crappy guys instead of saying, you know, I call those guys boys. 
you know, there's certain types of guys in this world that are boys. They're selfish, mm -hmm. they're immature, and they don't know how to be good relationship partners. So women's job is to know that and to recognize that and to screen guys really well before they jump into bed, before they jump into relationships, before they walk down the aisle with these guys, thinking that they're going to be different than who they are. And a lot of times women think, well, you know, he was so nice in the beginning. And I always say, yeah, the key words that are in the beginning. And so if you know they're nice in the beginning, then you need to hang out a little longer and give him time before you jump into a relationship, before you commit to that guy. So you've got to use that information to your advantage. So, you know, to get back to your question is that the reason why women don't understand is simply because they're women. They don't experience what we experience as men. And just like we don't experience what they experience. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I you make a really good point about the BMC. Um, I, I call it validating our invalidation. And mm -hmm. it's that group of, yeah, yeah, they're like this. And then we turn the exception into the rule. Right. And that's where those blanket generalizations of all men suck, all men cheat, all men whatever. Right. And it's natural because it's you're trying to protect yourself, but it's focusing on what you don't want. Yeah. And so I've, guess I've, what you're going to see more of? <laughs> what you don't want. You know, and, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, in, in understanding how this thing called life works. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I do is I dissect things. Okay, why? And you said that's how life works. Life, when we break it down, is all about energy. Mm -hmm. You know, so what you think, speak, and act is what you tend to attract into your life. The universe doesn't care. And it says, you know what, if you want to bitch and moan, then you know what, you're going to keep finding and attracting guys to validate what you believe. You're going to keep getting into relationships with those guys and then saying, see, I'm right. They suck. Yep. First, and that's why I'm a big believer in saying, you know, whenever a woman says, you know, guys, I said, don't focus on guys, focus on finding the one guy. Because mm -hmm. that's all you need. That's the beautiful part. You need the one guy. That's exactly what I did in my, my relationship. You know, I could have, you know, because my relationship was kind of the opposite. I was the one being there, supporting her, loving her unconditionally, doing everything to make her happy and make the relationship work. And then four weeks before, she's like, you know, we're never really going to be happy. And I'm like, well, what the F are we getting married for? So I felt kind of duped because for two and a half years, she was kind of BSing me, telling mm -hmm. me what I wanted to hear. And even though the red flags were flying like the United Nations, I chose to ignore them and made, make excuses for them. Now, I take full responsibility for that. And I said, you know, I'm never going to do that again. So the key is to learn that's what I was attracting in my life. So after that, I, I said, I can be bitter. I could be angry. I could say, you know what? Women suck. I'm never going to have a relationship. It's not in the cards. All those stories and excuses that we use as humans. Or I can say, all right, what did I learn from this experience? And how can I use it to make the relationship that I really want better when I find it? And so then I put all my focus and energy into that, finding the one woman who could give me the relationship that I wanted to experience on my terms. Nice. So that, that makes me want to ask you, because this is something I found is really helpful in, in partnerships, is what do you use, Joe, as kind of like a, I'll call it a guiding principle, or maybe it's a mantra or a quote or something that's your touchstone. So when you are kind of getting off track in a partnership, it helps you get back on course. What, what do you use for that? Right. Well, it, it really comes to, you know, being honest, first and foremost, with yourself, and then speaking your truth as lovingly as possible to your partner. Now, I wish I could say, you know, everything I communicate is lovingly to my wife. But, you know, I was born in the Bronx. I'm Italian and from New Jersey. So sometimes I speak without thinking. I speak, you know, passionately. I speak in ways that potentially hurt my partner. But the thing that's different, if I do that, most of the time I know it. Like she doesn't have to tell me, you know, because there's that part of us that goes, you know what? That wasn't cool. That wasn't right. 
So most of the time I know that, but in the event I see that it hurts her and she says it hurts, then I look at it and I take responsibility for it. So I think communication is really important, but it's really about respecting your partner, knowing that, you know what, I'm, my intention isn't to hurt you, it's never to hurt you. And if I do, then I gotta take responsibility. And, and that's big for most people, because as humans we have this thing, and I believe it comes down to our self-worth and our self-esteem, where we have such a hard time admitting that we suck. And so I'm a big believer in what I call giving yourself permission to suck, giving yourself permission to be human. We didn't get an instruction manual with life. So we're all doing the best we could with what we have. But when we suck, we need to own that. We need to take responsibility for it. And if we're in a relationship, then we need to clean that up. Yep, absolutely. And you know, I, I, I love what you said there about, you know, your intention is not to hurt her, but when you do, you got to take responsibility for it because the truth is even when our intention is not to hurt someone that doesn't mean we won't mess up because we don't know necessarily how it's going to affect them right and so it's like that wasn't my goal at all but clearly that's what happened so i can't sit here and just go but i didn't mean to do that that, right. that doesn't help you got to go okay so i didn't mean to but it did hurt you how do we clean this up now i'll give you a perfect example yeah, and this will help for those women who are understanding to really understand men you know if if a man is in the position where he's responsible for providing for a family there's a lot of pressure with that so there was a time in my journey where there was a lot of pressure it was when my when the economy changed and the healthcare changed and my practice was struggling so i was very stressed over money and when i get stressed over money i become an, a butthole and I would say, I, all of a sudden, like if there was a mess in the house, if things were going great, we're making money, wouldn't bother me at all. All of a sudden, if I started stressing about money, I started nitpicking on certain things. And that was my, my habit, and I would do that for a while. And I was working with one of my coaches and mentors, and she was saying, like really shine light on what I was doing. She's like, do you realize when you do that, how it makes your wife feel? And it was like the light when I'm like, oh shit, like the last thing I wanna do is hurt this person that I love, but I realized how I was actually hurting her. So after our call, I went down and I sat down and I said, look, I got to apologize. I said, you know, when you know, I criticize you know, over the dishwasher or the dishes in the sink or the mess or this and that, I never realized how that could hurt you. And, and Ken, the words weren't out of my mouth and my wife just started bursting in tears. And she's like, you never knew how much that really hurt me. And I was like, I felt about, you know, you can't see it, but I felt about, <laughs> you know, about, you know, like so small because you know, I was doing something in my mind because of my stress, what I thought was making things better, but in actuality, in, in actuality, I was actually making things worse and hurting the person that I love the most. And after that, I was like, you know what, that's not cool, and I had to really work on that. And we developed signals, and you know, I don't do it nearly as much as I did before, and now my wife doesn't take it personal. She goes, oh, this is your stuff where before she would take it personal. And so that was the work that she needed to do. Yeah. So, it, you know, it all comes down to, like I said, being honest, taking responsibility for the role you play in things, and then really getting on the same page. You know, I hear one of the things I hear all the time, you know, relationships are a lot of work. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're a lot of work if you're with the wrong person. But if, you're, if you have the right person and you're both on the same page, it's like, oh, you screwed up? Okay, no big deal, because I know your intention is to hurt me. I screwed up, okay, no big deal, I'll take responsibility, and how do we resolve this, and how do we get on the same page? So I, I don't agree that relationships are, are a lot of work, unless you're with the wrong person. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with you on that, because 
I think the way I would define it, and that's partly why this show is called Speaking of Partnership, is when you're in partnership, then you're doing exactly what you're talking about. You know, if you screw up, you take responsibility. If they screw up, you, you don't take it personally. And that's taking the, I mean, the easy route, right? The, the easiest choice would be to blame everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not partnership. That's just self-preservation. That's just a defensive mode. So, yeah, if you're doing that, you're right. It's a lot of work. But if you're in partnership, you realize that nobody's trying to hurt anybody. We're all working together, and we're going to make sure that whatever happens, our ultimate goal is the best good for everyone in the in the in the partnership. So, yeah, great example, great example, Joe. And I want to ask you something you said there. You said you and your wife have worked out some signals. Can you tell us more about how that what what that is and how you do that? Yeah, it's really calling each other on each other's stuff. So, you know, there's you can use code words. You know, I'm, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. Mm-hmm. And so Tony Robbins, you know, takes you through learning about human behavior and that each one of us has two sides of our personality. We have the mind, the ego, which is the part that generally lives from fear, lives from scarcity, focuses on all the stuff unconsciously that we've been hurt and burned over and then projects that onto other people. Then we have what he calls our true authentic self. So in our relationship, we both have names for our mind and ego. Like mine is called shithead. And you know, my other part, my true authentic self, that's called Zeus. So, and my wife has names for hers. So hers, her mind and ego is Sally, and the other one is Wonder Woman. So it's kind of like, you know, when she's not being, she's fearful or she's afraid or she's projecting her stuff onto me, I'll see like, okay, stop it, Sally. And, you know, same thing for me when I'm, you know, when I'm stressing over something and I'm projecting my stress onto her and criticizing her, she okay, knock it off, shithead. So it's just like a little signal that mm-hmm. you can use for your partner to say, okay, stop it. Take a look at how you're acting and how you're being. Nice. And, you know, some, sometimes even if you're in that, you know, your, your ego, your, your, you're so jacked up that you're like, I don't even care. But then ultimately you'll calm down and you'll sit and go, yeah, you know what? I was I was so pissed at that at, at that moment that, you know, what? I, I didn't even want to like talk, which is OK. As again, as long as you take responsibility, because it's about learning each other. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife learns that when I'm in that certain space, she learns, you know, just give him time. He'll be fine. Where before she would kind of, you know, try to go back, you know, well, let's talk. Let's talk. I don't want to talk. I just need to be pissed off for a while. I need to calm down. It's like men. We need to go in our cave. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't need to be prodded. The fear for a lot of women is he's not going to come out of the cave and he's not going to want to be with me anymore. My wife knows that no matter how pissed I get that I'm always going to want to be with her. She doesn't make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And two things that really stood out for me. One is I, I love the little names you have because they add some amusement to the situation mm-hmm. and they're not personal. Right. Yeah. It's like, OK, this is this other part of me that, yeah, it acts out and yeah. You just need to bring my attention to you're being shithead. Oh, yeah, I am <laughs> I'm totally yeah. being a shithead. Got it. And it's a safe reminder without making it all heavy and serious. And why are you doing that? So that's huge. And the other thing you mentioned there that I, I really I really love, Joe, is your comment about, you know, as guys, we need to go into our cave. And I, I call it the myth of the man cave, which is part of the reason why women, you know, want to come in there and, and see what we're up to is deep down they have this fear that that's not a cave, it's a tunnel. Mm-hmm. That there's a back door. 
and we're literally going away. But the mm -hmm. truth is, if we wanted a tunnel, we would have built a tunnel. We built right. caves because we need space to make sure that we're in our best shape so they don't have to deal with us when we're in a shitty spot. Right. And then we can come back out. So, ladies, know that there is no back door. He has only one place to go, and that is to come back out to you. You just got to give him the time so he can get himself in the, in the right mindset, in the right frame of mind to be in good shape with you because he knows you don't deserve to be with that shitty guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great, great analogy. I, I love it. And because the truth is you're 100% dead on is women are afraid mm -hmm. that if he goes in that cave, he's going to go through that back door, through that tunnel, and he's not going to come out and he's not going to love me. I'm going to be alone. Mm -hmm. So they project their stuff where if they really understood, oh, okay, he just needs to go calm down. So I just need to give him a space. I don't need to nag him that ultimately he's going to come back and then we're going to be fine. And if he doesn't need to talk about it, it'll be okay. If he does need to talk about it, then we'll talk about it. So if, if and again, it really comes to understanding each other mm -hmm. and learning how to work together. You know, like I say, relationships aren't work where you have to work at the relationship, but life is. Your life will throw opportunities, obstacles, stresses, illnesses, whatever it may be at you. And you have to be able to communicate and work together to resolve it, yeah. to make sure you're always on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the partnership. Right. Because it's like they're not going to guess what you need. You've you got to work together. you got to be like, here's what's necessary. Like like you were saying with your wife. Right. She couldn't believe you had no idea this was hurting her. Right. Because to her, that's no one would do that. It's a horrible thing to do. And you're like, but it wouldn't have bothered me to the least, so I didn't get it. Right. I didn't realize this is like a really hurtful thing to do. So we have to communicate that because we assume the other person knows and they're doing it anyhow. And so right. no, they don't. <laughs> they don't no. know. We're, I mean, that's why it's probably why John Gray's book is still one of the most popular books ever on relationships is it's that foreign. Literally, you're another planet. We don't even say those things on our planet. So to assume, oh, well, of course he knows my language. No, nothing. You you can't assume. If you think it's obvious, guaranteed he has no idea. Right. So anything, both of us, men and women, when we believe something, oh, that's so obvious, I don't need to mention it. Mention it. Because there's only two results that can happen. One is you mention it, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah I already knew that. Great, now it's confirmed. Or two, they didn't know, and now they do. Neither one of those is a bad thing. So when you think it's obvious, know that that's a sure sign you need to talk about it. Absolutely. I agree. agree 100%, Ken. So let me ask you this, Joe, because we've talked about a couple of, like, you know, kind of screw-up things that have happened and you've learned from and you've been able to, to leverage that to have a better relationship. What's one of your, like, I kind of call it your like a proudest moment of partnership. So a time in your life where, you know, you think back on that event and you're just like, that was so cool. What's one of those for you? I mean, there's the obvious ones when you have a, have a kid, you know, you bring a kid into a mm -hmm. world, um, seeing your kid, you know, one just happened, happened the other day. Um, my dad died when I was 15. I was fortunate. I had a great relationship with my dad. Um, he was my best friend. He was basically, we'd sit at, you know, at night watching the Mets games, baseball games, eating ice cream. We'd go shopping on the weekends. We were always, always together. So when he passed away, there was a, there was a huge void in my life. And, you know, recently 
I love baseball. It's one of my passions in life because I believe baseball is so analogous to life because it's, it's a game of failure. Mm-hmm. But if you succeed at the right time, the failures become minimal. They don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And so you learn to deal with adversity in life. And there's also baseball because like the game in the, within the game. Like if you look at a baseball game, it could be very boring if you don't understand the game. But if you understand the strategy of, okay, this guy's up and he tends to hit this kind of pitch and this runner's over here, so I don't want to throw the ball here. And if it's hit to my right, I'm going to go here. And if it's hit to my left, I'm going to go there. Then all of a sudden this game, it becomes a mind game. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so interesting. So, so I happen to love it. So I tend to coach my, my, or I don't tend, but I do coach, you know, some of my son's games and you know, my son won the championship the other day mm. and you know, just being on the field and seeing the joy as they won and jumping up and down, like it, it brought me and I'm getting emotional talking because it brought me right back to being a boy with my dad. And and being able to experience it on the other end was like kind of surreal. Like, you know, when I was a boy, experienced that same experience. It was just, oh, it's so fun. It was exciting, this and that. We're champs and this and that. We take the pictures of that. But now, experiencing it as a father, watching his son succeed in life and the joy his son was experiencing was like a hundred times greater. You know, or when I took my son fishing the other day, you know, and they took my two of my boys and, and they caught their fish, you know, to see them excited. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, that's, you know, there's a lot of juice. I call it the, ju- the emotional juice. You know, those magic moments in life. And, you know, a lot of them revolve around being a father. But a lot of them comes, you know, there's so many. I mean, you know, the day you get married, you know, the, um, you know, the day I, you know, my first client, you know, there was a time where I raised my fees a thousand dollars and somebody paid me and I'm like, actually paid. Like they didn't question it. It was like, you know, there's a value, like they saw the value in it and it wasn't about the money is that they valued my help enough and they believed in me enough to invest in me. I'm like, you know what? That's really cool. Um, you know, dad graduated chiropractic school, you know, I had always struggled with running. I, I'm a sports guy and I hate like exercise. Like tell me, (laughs) tell me to go to a gym and run on a treadmill or lift some weights. It's like, I'd rather shoot myself, but tell me to go play baseball. Tell me to go play ice hockey. Tell me to go play volleyball, you know, go, so whatever it may be, you know, tell me to go ride a bike along the the river. It's like, ah, I love that. So tell me to go do those things. It's like. Yeah. But so one of the things I always struggled with was running. I hate to run. I had bad ankles and bad knees from years of sports. But it was one of those like harbingers in my life where it's like, you know what? I got to do this. So I signed up to run a 5K. Now, for some people who are runners, 5K, like that's nothing. I do that, you know, every other day. But to me, that was might have been the equivalent of running from New Jersey to California. Like it was just beyond my comprehension and my physical desire and ability. So I signed up for a training program, it was a three month training program. And I went and I ran this 5K and I got about three quarters of the way and, and I started tearing up because it wasn't about the running, it's about, you know what, I can do it. And so I, I'm, I'm a big believer in setting challenges for yourself so that you can achieve those challenges, not for the sake of achieving them, but because of who you become in the process. And it's about teaching yourself, you know what, I can do it. And it's so important and it breaks my heart because I see so many kids who grow up with parents who constantly put them down and tell them how much they suck. 
and they create these belief systems in the kids. Well, what the hell? I'm not good enough. It doesn't matter. Instead of saying, you know what? Set the bar. Go do it. Try it. You fall down. That's okay. Get up and do it again. Yeah. And you gave us so many great examples there of different partnerships. And the last one you left with is, you know, your partnership with yourself. Yeah. The, best, going, the biggest one. Wait a minute. I'm just I just need to figure out what my thing is. What 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 works for me? Because it's it's so funny cuz I was aware when you were talking about, you know, you you hate exercise but you're an athlete. And you know, it'd be very easy for somebody to come up to you, let's say this was before you're married and somebody's interested in you and and they they love exercising and they're like I don't know, Joe's just not very active. And it's like, no, he just doesn't do it the way you do it. He doesn't go to the gym. He does it other ways. And so oftentimes we want people to do everything exactly the way we do it. And then it's like, no, he's still athletic. He can still do those things, but he's not going to be a gym rat with you because he doesn't like the gym. But that doesn't mean he's not healthy. He's not active. He's not somebody you can do activities with. And it's one of the ways we kind of get in our way, right, is decide it has to look just like us. When the truth is, oftentimes it's the complementary situation that's, that's more rewarding. Because not only do we get to do something we didn't do, we learn. We grow from that. So great examples, Joe. I, I love those. Those are so cool. And by the way, oh. um, baseball is crazy analogies. And I'm not even a huge baseball fan. But <laughs> yeah, there's so many things there because you're right. It's like you, people always go, what's the big deal? These guys, they can only hit like three out of ten balls and whatever. It's like, yeah. So how many times do you hit the ball in life? There's going to be more failures than successes. What if you could be okay with that <laughs> instead of going, yeah. I suck? Yeah. It, it, you're, you know, you're dead on is that, you know, you talk about that relationship with yourself. Well, if you look at life as a game, there's, there's certain strategies to how the game works, just like baseball. And there are things you can do to put yourself in position to win, but there are extraneous circumstances. You could go in with the greatest game plan, but if the other person throws the pitches that aren't hittable or the other person doesn't hit the ball right at you or you don't handle the ball correctly, well, then that affects the results you're getting. So it's not as black and white as we often think it is, but the shades of gray is where the juice comes in life. That's where we grow. That's where we really experience and learn who we truly become. So as you said earlier, that relationship with yourself, I think it's the most vital mm -hmm. relationship. Because if you don't have a relationship with yourself, no matter how much you love God, sing kumbaya, meditate, <laughs> whatever it may be, you're not going to be happy. So you, you've got to learn to like yourself as you are. That doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Because I see so many people put pressure on themselves. You know, it's like, I got to be this. I got to look this way. No, it's like you're saying, how do you want to look? How do you want to feel? Is it working for you now? Great. Knock yourself out. If it's not, that's okay too. You decide. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife and I, I think that's one of the strong points of our relationship is we support each other. It's like, okay, where are you at? Is it working for you? Great. Yep. As long as you're happy, I'm okay. You don't need to do what I want you to do. Okay. Now, if there's, there are certain things that are vital that where we need to be on the same page, but that stuff happens organically and naturally when you pick the right person for the right reason. The other stuff is just them on their journey. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Joe, this is this is great. We actually have got to a part of the show where I call it "Bring It All Home." This is where we're we're going to step away from stories, and I'm going to ask you to just share some some kind of simple, concrete guidance for our listeners that they can take it home and, and you know apply it right away. 
And where I'd like to start is I'm wondering what you would say is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received. That I've ever received. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the <laughs> this is sound a little Jersey-ish, but you know, it's don't take shit from anyone. Like a, a relationship doesn't mean that you become a human doormat. And I see some, and I know I, there was a time where I did that for a long time. And that's where, you know, I learned from that is that, you know what, if you're in a relationship where you're taking crap from somebody because you feel that you need to, you don't feel you're worthy or you feel you can't have a relationship if you don't take crap, then you got to take a really good look in the mirror and say, is this really how I want to live my life? Is this really the relationship I want? So that was probably one of the most valuable ones. And, you know, and that I got from my dad, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that wasn't just in relationship. It was, it was all in life. Like you get to decide, you know. Oh, and the other one is that just because everybody else jumps off a bridge doesn't mean you have to jump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, and my was, gosh. That, I heard that, that a thousand times. Yeah, that's the one my dad used to preach to me over and over and over when I was a little boy. It's like, whoever well, I go in there, okay, why do you want to go? Well, because everybody's going. Well, just because everybody else is jumping off a bridge doesn't mean you have to. Do you want to go because it's going to help you? You know, look at those people. Is that the environment? So he would constantly ingrain that. So I thought that, you know, now that we're talking about it, that's probably the most valuable one that I've ever received. And mm -hmm. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's so cool. And it's funny, like I said, I've I heard that a thousand times growing up. What would you say is like maybe it's a book, maybe it's a resource, but what would you recommend to our listeners around partnership? Why that particular resource? Uh, so a book around partnership? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, as you said earlier, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, because it, it really helps women and men understand that we're different creatures that you know the way a guy does things is different than the way a woman does things you know one of the favorite stories i've heard is you know guys woman has to go to the bathroom and they're driving down the highway and she goes to the guy do you have to go to the bathroom and the guy says no and she does she keeps it in so then they go to the next stop and the guy's traveling a half hour later the guy says do you need to go to the bathroom because i gotta go and the woman says yeah I, I need to go for you know a half hour and the guy said well why didn't you tell me She's like, but I asked you. She's like, yes, but you asked me if I needed to go. I didn't have to go. If you needed to go to the bathroom, just say, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. Could you stop at the next stop? Because I would have gladly stopped for you. So it's just understanding that we're different creatures. And so we, we tend to think and act a different way. That doesn't mean we're good. It doesn't mean we're bad. Just like a cat is different than a dog. But if you understand that cats don't bark, it's ridiculous to expect them to bark. So women expecting guys to think and act like them is insane. And that's one of the big ones. And the same thing for men. Men, for men, you know, you hear guys say, well, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Where a woman's like, what do you mean don't worry about it? I'm worried about it. <laughs> so the fact that I'm worried about it means that it's a big deal to me. So why can't you understand that? And so both, you know, both species, both genders do the same thing. So I think that's a great book for just, you know, to shine some light on that we are different and see things through different filters and different experiences and, and if you want programming in life. Yeah, no, it, it is a tremendous resource. And, you know, it's funny, I, I uh, interviewed Janice Hoffman, who was the director of the Mars Venus Institute that trained mm -hmm. folks that were doing his work. Mm -hmm. And she told me that to this day, that book sells over a thousand copies hardcover a week. Mm -hmm. And it's been out for 25 years. That's how true it rings. It's like this wasn't just like a fad. Right. This is like this is how we're built. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like when we can learn from that. It's it's huge because, like you said, he's saying it's no big deal, and she's like, "But it it bothers me, so it is a big deal." The difference is he doesn't have the same visceral experience she has. Mm-hmm. So he can maybe understand it intellectually, but it's still not going to have the impact where he's like, oh my gosh, I understand. He can't understand it. He doesn't have that experience. Right. And the same way for you know a woman to a guy. So that's why it takes actually stepping outside of, oh, well, it's no big deal for me, so it mustn't be for you, and go, okay, I may not understand that, but I can appreciate that it is a big deal for you, so we need right. to address it accordingly. Yeah, really amazing resource there. Thank you. So, Joe, we're running towards the end of the show, and I, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you and find out more about your work, because clearly we have only scratched the surface here. How would they do that? Well, the best way is to go to the website, gpsforlove.com. Um, that's that's the hub. That's the home. We also have a Facebook page, which we just started, which has been really cool, because now I've been doing these live stream videos a couple times mm-hmm. a week. Because what I try and do is, is really shine light and get to the truth, because there's so much mis information out there there's so much confusion there's all this you know catch a guy and do this and you know a guy is going to love you for the rest of your life you know all all that crap at that that plays off women's emotions that plays off their insecurities and their fears and i'm just like you know i'm not like what good is having another guy if he's going to be another asshole like you know if he's not going to respect you he's not going to value you and be the partner you want so i'm all about you know let's understand what it takes to be the woman so that when the right guy comes along, he realizes that, you know what, this is an amazing woman, and if I let her go, it's gonna be like a dumb mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say, you know, for those who, who, those people who do follow me, you know, I talk so much about my wife. Now, if you were to meet my wife, Natalie, out at the mall, you'd be go, okay, she's nice. Like, what's the big deal? I, I don't get it. But <laughs> she's the perfect woman for me. Yeah. And she loves me. She supports me. She has my back. She's the mother, you know, the lover, the child. She's she's everything that I need. So in my world, why would I do something to ruin that, to make her go away? You know, and so I think, you know, well, I'm getting off tangent here. So let's get back to, to your question. So, you know, <laughs> the, and that's what I do is, you, you, you know, you get my mind and sh- I'm, I'm over there. So, you know. The, the, the website is the hub, you know, the GPS for love, the Facebook GPS for love.com is, is a great place now because now I get to really connect with people. And then, as you said earlier, you know, our YouTube channel, we actually just the other day went over three million views. Nice. So which is really cool. And, you know, just like you is I can tell you do what you do because you really want to make a difference in the world. Like, I don't say that like, oh, look at like, look at me. We got to, like, I'm not one of those. I could care less. What what makes me proud, makes me happy is knowing that, you know, People are looking for this. They're finding it, and it's helping them. So when I somebody says, "Hey, you know what? This really helped me. You know, made me see I got to walk away from this guy," or you made me see that you know what I got a little bit of work to do before I get into another relationship, or you know, my pattern was I jump into relationships. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's what lights me up. That that's my purpose in life is to help people shine light on why they're not creating the results, and then what do they need to learn to create the really relationship that they're really looking for? Because are you familiar with the Harvard study? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Harvard studies that, you know, studying all these people at the end of their life, what made them happy? The quality of their relationships. Yeah. And so it's all life is about relationships. Even if you're on a baseball diamond, the relationship with your teammates. Yep. And by the way, congratulations again, because I know that that three million more than anything shows that 
you are being able to impact more people than you were one-on-one -on -one as a chiropractor. So your goal has been realized in that way. So congratulations. Thank you. You know what? How do you say that? It's kind of like, oh, wow, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's the truth is that that was the goal is to reach the masses. And that's one of the ways we're doing it. So fantastic. Cool. Well, Joe, your stories, your, your insights, really, really powerful. Thank you so much for showing those and being so honest with us. And, and thank you again for being on the show today. Well, well, thank you, Ken, for creating this forum for us to be together and, and share our gifts with the world. So I appreciate the work that you're doing as well. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.